Hello everyone and welcome back to Hope Reclaims. I am your host, Ellie Hope Herringshaw, and I'm so glad that you're here today. It's in this podcast that we talk about active and practical ways that we can step into healing because Jesus has already extended healing to us and sometimes it's our job to step in and receive it for ourselves. Today we are starting a new podcast series. I'm very excited about this podcast series because we are going back to the basics. There are many of you who have been listening to this podcast for a long time, like since the beginning, which I am very grateful for, but many of you are new and some of you don't really know what reclaiming is all about and some of you don't really know um, my story. So today we are going to start a series on reclaiming 101. It's going to be so fun. There is nothing that I love more than talking about reclaiming. I am just so passionate about it. That's why I started a podcast about it. That's why I started a community about it, a um, a support group that I run. And that's why I recently, get this guys, I recently moved to Hawaii (laughs) to write a book about it. Yes, I'm putting it out there in the universe, um, into all of your ears that I am writing a book. And um, hopefully that will be out at some point. Who knows when? Um, But I really just feel the call to share my story, but then share about the healing power of Jesus because he is so good. He is so, so good. And I just want to talk about it all the time. So in this podcast series, we're going to talk about the aspects of reclaiming. So my definition of reclaiming is identifying a fearful and painful internal reaction to a place or thing that holds a memory and choosing to face it head on and create a new positive association. So in this podcast series, we're going to really dig into that definition. What does it mean? How does it apply to my life? And why is it important? Because many of you have gone through something hard. And if you haven't gone through something hard, you will. I really hate to say it, but God has really told us and warned us that in this life, there will be trouble. John 16 verse 33 says, I have said these things to you that in me, you will have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Take heart, guys. Jesus has already overcome the world. And so we will go through hard stuff. We will go through persecution. We will go through divorces. We will go through heartaches and, and loss of children. But there is hope. There is hope in Jesus because he has overcome the world. So let's dig in a little bit. I want to share with you guys a little bit about my story, why I can talk about this and why I'm choosing to talk about it and what my life is like now. So as many of you know, I am divorced. Spoiler alert, I am divorced. I'm 29 years old. I am currently, like I said, living in Honolulu, Hawaii. And um, my life has turned out not exactly like I thought it was going to be. So when I was 18 years old, I started dating my husband, my ex-husband. And I loved him so, so much. We had so much fun together. We explored. We did long distance for a while while I was, while I was in YWAM, Youth with a Mission um, in South Africa. I really believed that he was the man that I was meant to be with. And I really believed that this was the life that God was calling me to. And I chose that life. We had a really beautiful, amazing wedding when I was... 
21 years old. My colors were marine blue and yellow. I wore a gorgeous vintage gown in my grandmother's veil. 350 of our closest friends and family were there. There was a 15-piece orchestra that played during my wedding, the ceremony. A 35-piece jazz band played during my reception. And a 55-piece high school marching band played during cocktail hour. And I'm not kidding. My mom wanted to note that she didn't pay for any of that. (laughs) That was um, a gift because we knew a lot of those people. But it was the best day of my life. I had so much fun with my friends. I had so much fun with my new husband. And that night, I went back with him and I gave him the purity ring that my parents had given me when I was 14 years old. We moved into the home that he had purchased for us, a beautiful corner lot in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. And get this, guys. It had the white picket fence. Yeah, I'm not kidding. The white picket fence. My life was perfect, and I loved it so much. Fast forward five and a half years into that perfect life. I discovered his long-term affair. I was completely caught off guard and I was so shocked and so hurt. This man that I had chosen to be with forever was choosing someone else. Right then and there, as I confronted him about this, I prayed. And I said, God, help me do this right and give me strength. As I was talking to him, I felt the Holy Spirit really convict me and, and show me that I needed to forgive him and that I needed to promise to forgive him every day. So I said that to him. I didn't always live up to that, but I tried. I really did. The next few days were absolute hell. They were so hard. I cried and I cried and I just felt totally and completely broken. This life trajectory that I had was just shattered. This perfect life, the white picket fence life, was just, the illusion was broken. And I felt so and utterly alone. But God met me in that place. God met me with all of that pain. I remember one day I was so sad, I couldn't sleep, and I drove to a little town um, called Stillwater in Minnesota. It borders Wisconsin and it looks out on the St. Croix River. And I sat in a parking lot at about four in the morning, just staring, staring into space. And I was crying and just weeping to the Lord. And it was right there, sitting in my car, totally devastated by this life, that Jesus sat with me. And I felt him crying with me. He wasn't pushing the emotions away or he wasn't saying that I shouldn't be feeling them. He was feeling them too. God knows. He knows what it feels like. And he was so compassionate and so loving when he met me there in Stillwater. I was in so much pain 
My ex-husband then explained to me that the affair was extensive and that it was serious and that it began before we were even married. Before that beautiful day when I was walking down the aisle in my grandmother's veil, he was already being unfaithful to me. I was totally shocked by this, but even with all of this knowledge, I believed that God is a God who heals. I believed and knew in my heart that God brings redemption into broken situations and that he would bring redemption into my marriage. I believed that with all my heart, but that is not what my ex-husband chose. And a very painful divorce would take place. I moved out of that beautiful home into my parents' basement. And I called that place the hole. Because let me tell you, it felt like a hole. I went from the highest of high, having this beautiful life, to really feeling like I was living in a hole. I was depressed. I was having frequent panic attacks. I was sleeping on average of three to four hours a night. And I could barely breathe. Because the pain was so bad. The physical pain was so bad, but the emotional pain was so bad. As we know, pain is an indicator of something. Pain indicates and points to a problem, right? When we have back pain or when we have leg pain, maybe that means that there is a problem. There's something that happened that has made us sore. There's something that's happened. Maybe we lifted something wrong. Maybe, we, maybe we're out of alignment in some sort of way. But pain points to a bigger problem. Pain is a good thing because it can say and it can keep us from greater injury. But my pain was so intense and so hard. It was both physical and emotional. And my pain was pointing to the problem that my life was completely out of whack. As I was going through this, I had to believe that healing was on its way for my pain, yes, but also for my life, for the deeper issue that was, the pain was the side effect of, that healing would come and take place. So we cannot have true healing in our lives, true emotional and physical healing, if we do not have hope that healing will come. Hope is essential. Hope says that there is something greater on the other side. Initially, I had hope that my marriage would be restored. I had hope that my ex-husband would not go back to her, but come back to me. And when that became not an option anymore, I had to have hope that God would bring restoration, not to my marriage, but to me personally that restoration and healing would come to my life, that I could be a whole and complete person on my own. That is where my hope was. So if we're waiting for healing, we should know the healer. The healer is Jesus Christ. The healer is God. The healer is a good God who works all things together for good. Now, does that mean that all things are good? I would argue absolutely not. Romans 8:28 says, and we know that for those who love God and are called according to his purpose, God works all things together for good. 
And John 10.10 says that the enemy's job description is to come to steal, kill, and destroy. But then Jesus says, but I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. So this means that if something has been stolen, killed, or destroyed in your life, I want to argue that that is not Jesus, that that is actually the enemy. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus comes that you may have life and have it abundantly. So those things in your life that have been stolen, killed, or destroyed, you can trust and believe because of Romans 8, 28, that God will work all things together for your good, for your life abundant. God does not have a plan B for your life. He just creates a new plan A, meaning that our life trajectory as it's been, the way that we've been going, that's been a, that was a plan A. When that becomes derailed, God it doesn't say, oh, shoot, well, we're just going to have to give her something uh, less than. No, he steps in and he creates a new plan A. He gives us life and, and life abundantly because he is the healer. This is what true healing means. It means that there is not anything missing when life becomes derailed. There's not anything missing when our life trajectory goes out the window. 1 Peter 2.24 says, By his wounds we have been healed. That is a past tense thing right there. By his wounds you have been healed. That healing and redemption happened on the cross 2,000 years ago. So this means that healing has already been extended to you by a good God. A good God that wants good things for you. Okay, so you might be listening to this and thinking, okay, great. So I'm healed by a good God already, but why don't I feel it? Girl, I've been there. (laughs) I know what you're dealing with. I know what you're talking about. It hurts. I was sitting in the hole and I was still having frequent panic attacks and thinking, okay, so I've been healed, but why don't I feel it right now? Yep, totally been there, totally felt that, and it's so real. A lot of times, these healings are a progression. These healings are something that takes some time for us to reach out for. So one of my favorite biblical characters is the bleeding woman in the Bible. Her story is found in a couple different places in the Gospels, but my favorite account is Mark chapter 5. So in this story, we see that there is a woman and she's been bleeding for 12 years, meaning she has been kind of on her period for 12 years. It says that she tried everything to get better. She went after all the doctors. She went to the chiropractors and the herbalists and all of the the specialists and nothing was working and she was actually getting worse. But then it says that she heard about Jesus. She heard the accounts of people going to Jesus and getting healed, and she thought, okay, if I just touch the hem of his garment, then I will be made well. This woman had so much faith that she got out of bed. She got out of the bed that she was sitting in, in her filth, and she went into the place that Jesus was. 
and she reaches after that healing. She extends her hand into the crowd and touches the hem of Jesus's garment. Immediately, Jesus feels that healing released from him. And he says, who touched me? The disciples are there and they, they say, uh, Jesus, um, everyone's touching you. So, duh, like obviously somebody is touching you. And Jesus said, no, something special happened and faith was released. And he kind of presses it a little bit. I'm sure she's sinking back into the background, feeling terrible, but also knowing that she's healed. And finally, she comes forward and she says, Jesus, it was me. I'm so sorry. I just thought if only I touched the hem of your garment, then I'll be made well. And Jesus says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. I love this story so much because we see a woman who has been hurting. We see a woman in pain, in pain in her body, but also in her soul. Because at this time in history, in Jewish history, if you were bleeding, you were ceremonially unclean. If you were bleeding, you could not go into the temple. You couldn't go to where all the people were and anything that you would touch would become unclean too. So for 12 years, this woman was sitting alone and couldn't touch anybody. She couldn't be with people because if she was, if she were to go with people and and be with them, they would also become unclean. And that was a big deal in this, this time in history. So when she hears about Jesus, she steps in to receive her healing. And she inflicts her unclean state on Jesus. This is radical. I love this so much. This woman is my hero and I want to be like her. In this story, this woman could have sat alone in her bed and waited for Jesus to come around and heal her. She could have waited for him to come into her neighborhood and make his way into her house and and touch her. But no, she goes after it. Her faith is so built that she decides to reach for Jesus. So as I am living at my parents' house in the hole, so devastated, I would be driving around the Twin Cities where I live and where I used to live with my ex-husband. And I would be driving around and I'd walk past or drive past restaurants or coffee shops that I went to with my ex-husband. Because when you're dating or when you are married to somebody, you have experiences with them. And for me, he and I loved to go to restaurants together. And so I would pass restaurants and I would pass coffee shops and fear and sadness would just overtake me. And I thought, wow, I can never go back to that place again. One place that used to be so happy and so meaningful and loving was now shrouded in this sadness because of the betrayal. So one of those places for me was the Flame Burger. The Flame Burger was this greasy spoon diner in St. Paul that was open 24 hours a day. (laughs) And my ex-husband and I would go there when we were dating. We'd go there early in the morning and have breakfast. And they had really good pancakes. 
So he and I would go there, and one day I drove past the Flame Burger, and I thought, ugh, my life is completely like I didn't think it would ever be. My husband is gone. My house is gone. My future is gone. And now I can't go back to the Flame Burger ever again. And I felt like I needed to just avoid the Flame Burger because it was too hard. And places like the Flame Burger were all over the place. The list of those places just grew and grew. And everywhere I went, I felt like I couldn't go there. That place was stolen from me too. That music is stolen from me. I can never watch that movie again. And I remember calling a friend and saying, I got to move because I am just getting triggered everywhere I go. Everywhere I go, it's reminding me of my my hurt and what, what's happened to me. And I just don't know what to do. And one day, I was sitting with the Lord and I just felt him say to me, Ellie, by avoiding places like the Flame Burger, you're living in fear. By avoiding places like the Flame Burger and, and avoiding music like Cat Stevens, you're living in fear and you're taking on a victim mentality. And I was really convicted. So what I did is I decided to go back to the Flame Burger. I took friends and I took my family and I made an event out of going to the Flame Burger. As I was driving there, I was terrified. I was terrified. What if I run into him there? What if I run into him and her there? What if I'm sitting there in the booth and I'm just so overcome with this emotion and I just break down and cry and I can't handle it? But I knew that I needed to do it anyway. So as I took friends, I sat in a familiar booth, I ate familiar food, and I talked openly about the memories that I have with my ex-husband there and the experience that I had with him there. Why was this so hard to go back here? It was so hard to go back there because I experienced love with him at this place. I experienced love and our relationship grew here at this place. Love was deposited here. And it was hard for me to go back there. It was painful because the love was gone. The love and the life that I had is gone. So I talked openly with them about all of those things. And I made a new memory with my friends and family sitting in that booth at the Flame Burger. And I began to call this process reclaiming. I made a spreadsheet of places and things and music and movies that all needed to be reclaimed. And I decided to make this my intentional act of reaching out for Jesus and reaching out for healing in my own pain. So I have this definition of reclaiming. And as you know, (laughs) it is identifying a fearful, painful internal reaction to a place or thing that holds a memory choosing to face it head on and create a new positive association. The steps of reclaiming we're going to dig into as we further this series, but it's first identify the pain. Look at the pain that is in your life that's associated with a thing or a place. The second step is to face that pain. Go back to that thing 
and face it. Stop avoiding it. Stop living in fear and just step right back into it with friends and family and people you love. Step three, create a new positive association. This is the fun part. Actually do something fun at this place with people you trust to create a new memory with that thing. So it's not just shrouded in the sadness. And step four, recognize that healing truly is taking place. Whether you feel it or not, healing is coming by a good God who loves you and has a plan for your life. So I went on over 150 reclaiming events. Yeah, it's true. 150. I reclaimed restaurants. I reclaimed plays and musicals. I reclaimed park benches and music venues. I reclaimed entire cities. And I reclaimed skydiving. Reclaiming was something so important to me, and it's still something so important to me. I'm in a completely different place now where I don't feel the need to reclaim anything anymore, really. Because I know that I'm not avoiding or living in fear of anything associated with my ex-husband. So, God has already extended healing to you. We know that. Maybe he's asking you to reach out for that healing. And reclaiming can be an intentional way of doing that. Reclaiming can be doing the hard thing. And knowing that it's going to be good for you at the end. So what is God asking you to reach out for right now? What is God asking you to do? Because healing has been extended to you 2,000 years ago on the cross. How are we supposed to respond to that healing? I'm so glad that you're a part of this series with me. (laughs) This next couple weeks, we're going to be digging into this stuff, talking more about it. But this is the foundation. This is why I'm doing this ministry, because I have an experience with this. This was really hard for me, you guys. It was really, really painful, but it is not impossible. God loves you so much, so much that he has paid the ultimate price that you would find healing and restoration in him. I want to welcome you to the Hope Reclaimed family. If you are interested in more information about Hope Reclaimed, if you're interested in being a part of my community, you can do that. I have a non-support group support group, like I call it. It's for women who are healing from infidelity, divorce, separation. We want to be there for one another. We want to talk openly about the pain that we're going through, but look towards the celebration. Look towards the hope of the future. Please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Give it a rating. Give it a five-star rating. Please do that. It would bless me so much. And if you're interested in partnering with Hope Reclaimed financially, you can do that on my Patreon page. And all that information is in my show notes. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you've come alongside me and come alongside other people in your steps towards healing. Jesus loves you. There is redemption and healing in him. And there's always hope. Because remember, hope is my middle name. We'll see you next week.